Hey everyone, this is me here. As you know, Huchi is an independent podcast produced by four Hmong women and funded by us, as well as generous supporters. Are you interested in sponsoring an episode or a transcript? Email us at hashtag.huchi at gmail.com to learn more. Did you know that on Huchi's website, huchi.wordpress.com, we post show notes for every episode, have transcripts for most of our episodes, and also have blog posts? Be sure to check it out if you haven't already. And before we start today's episode, Huchi would like to acknowledge that today's recording takes place on the ancestral territories of the Dakota and Ojibwe peoples of Minnesota and the Penacook Confederacy of New England. Okay, go ahead. Hello, Nyazhanga. Welcome to Huchi. Today is Sunday, April 1st, 2018. We are four Hmong women who like to talk about things that matter, such as everything. everything. We are your hosts, Elder Linda. This is Elder Sandy. And I am Elder Me. Elder Pa cannot join us today, but she says hello. And the first topic that we're going to talk about is Hmong women Facebook groups. What are they and what are their purposes? Um, are any of you in Hmong women Facebook groups? Um, I'm, I follow two Facebook groups. Uh, one is Maiku Pai Sisterhood, Hmong women taking on the world. So those are two groups I follow that I am a part of. It's been a while since I've participated in any Facebook groups, so, but I do remember being part of the Maiku Pai Sisterhood, and I think I've received a couple of invites to other Hmong woman groups upon, like, other groups that, again, I've not been participating in Facebook groups recently at all. I don't participate in Facebook groups either, but I am a member, and I read what people post so i am part of the with sandy i am part of the Hmong women take on the world group and i am also part of these two other groups called Hmong women today and Hmong village woman and those last two groups i can't tell the difference between <laughs> between between their purpose and the membership in those groups because they they seem almost the same I could be wrong though, but I don't know. Me, could, me, could it be because Hmong woman, the Hmong village woman is like the old, like days, and Hmong woman today is like the modern day or conversations. Hmm. So I'm gonna look them up really quick. Hmong village woman. The mission is to help share and preserve the Hmong people culture and language through Hmong woman. Through Hmong women. Well. Um, I sometimes read the posts on my Pai sisterhood when Hmong women taking on the world first started. I accepted it and like, and I wrote some stuff in there, but mainly to be sarcastic about things. And then I stopped because they were posting it too much and was like all over my newsfeed. So I, I wasn't able to follow people who I actually care about. And I was seeing a lot more of the women taking on world posts. So I don't follow them right now. So, so what's the 
Yeah. Pa told me to like check it out, and so I did. From the post I read, it seems to be like a bitch fest for Hmong women. I could be wrong. Um. So this is a closed group for us sisters to share and support each other. It is a place where us sisters come to learn from each other and motivate each other to be our best. Words of encouragement and act of kindness can help a sister a long way. Sharing resources and personal stories will help others to have hope. You are not alone. It is a place to make new friends, find long lost friends, and become better friends. It is also a place to not only build friendship, but to build leadership as well. We can be a mentor to each other and learn from each other as we go. And their guidelines. Okay, so resource sharing, friendship building. Okay. Yep, and, and men, yeah, mentorship and leadership building, yes. So from the most posts that I read, it's about a lot of women come on there to talk about problems they have with navigating cult, um, our, the clan, you know, system. And, uh. and most of, there were maybe one post where a woman was looking for a woman for her cousin back in Laos too so there's some some mating relationship stuff happening there but yeah but most of most of the posts are about um a lot of women who are who are going through issues and having trouble navigating our clan um political systems okay oh oh and then some are like um i think there was one post that was that stuck out to me was this one woman was upset about like her her daughter or something and then like came on there to to talk about her daughter the variety of things yes absolutely what about the Hmong woman taking on the world i think i've for the times that i've been on facebook social media which is, has been very few mm-hmm. in the past like beginning of the year here mm-hmm. but I've, I've seen an invite to that and i haven't have given the time to actually read up and look on what that group is about but do you know what that group is about it's a global movement so they're reaching women from all over the world um Hmong women and, and they hold like world online global like summits i have not been a part of it but yeah i think it's it's it was created and it is really spearheaded by a woman named elizabeth yang mm-hmm. and they've been doing a lot of I don't know, kind of like information sessions online where they kind of talk about the project. And I think the summit has not actually happened yet. She was on a podcast that I listened to and she was explaining kind of like the background of of this project or this movement. And she was saying that she's really um, reached out to Hmong women from all over the world in different countries and are asking them to help her shape this virtual summit. So, so even though she is spearheading it, there, there's a group of women who are kind of um, helping her shape the summit, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, people who want to contribute to the summit can submit a proposal. I think that deadline might be passed, but... Um, but she was saying that, you know, they, they then go through these proposals. And I think there's going to be some sort of voting system where, where you can vote on, like, what, where people can vote on, like, what they actually want to see or listen to. And maybe what doesn't make it into the actual summit is going to live in some sort of, like, digital magazine format. Yeah, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. And then, so one thing I noticed, too, is that 
they're they're so the admins or whoever is running this are part of this global this tribe global planning group so tribe is this new thing of building um leadership or building community and um this is a, a whole book on it so it's like another framework of planning um so i guess they're part of this new wave of this whole thing called tribe because i went to a, a conference and whoever was running that conference was talking about tribe so i guess it's like a, a, a new fad in that planning world and so i'm assuming that they're just maybe this is a project for them to build a resume <laughs> professional development for themselves yeah me i think um your explanation it sounds pretty interesting I think that, you know, as, as more Hmong people, right, are participating on online and digital, that there are, there are new ways of engaging with each other. And I think that I, it would be great if we could also talk about, like, why and what does it mean for us to have so many, like, Hmong women groups, right, or Hmong women events, and that this other, um, I mean, I guess I would, like, new, right, ways of Hmong women engaging with each other through, like, like a virtual or digital like summit right what what does that mean so i think like as you know as you're y'all are defining or pretty much like saying like i'm telling what the mission of these other groups are i think about what does it mean to have so many Hmong women groups right Mm -hmm. and through this conversations that are happening in these spaces what does it mean for to run groups you know but then what would it mean for all of these other groups to come together I don't know if you all know if, like, all of these, you know, these three other groups, right, are they participating in this new, like, Hmong women take on the world virtual summit? Mm -hmm. Or are they all not participating? And I think that, you know, it's great that there's so many groups, but also what does it mean for us to, like, collectively, with so many Hmong women, right, I'm assuming are participating in all these groups, like, how does each of these groups go up play a role you know for them as a Hmong woman mm-hmm. right and really talking about the topic itself and the experience itself mm-hmm. versus sort of like creating so many groups um because I feel like there's also like um something's there that's creating a disconnect therefore we have so many groups and you know I get it because there's different like uh topics or beliefs or values right that each group may have for its own identity mm-hmm. but i think it, you know, i find it really interesting in terms of so many groups yet are we also moving forward in transforming or connecting you know mm-hmm. us as women in this conversation about our well-being and like <clears throat> patriarchy and shit like that I, I feel like if you look at the members in each of these groups you can probably tell the difference I think Hmong women taking take on the world tribe, uh, so they use this tribe framework. So they're more intentional in what and how they're how they're outlining their group and what type of topics and what ways they want to engage women. But also the women that are on here, they talk about they're they're more professional. So it's class wise, they're in a different level. Well, the more my Kupai sisterhood, there's women from all all backgrounds. Um, socioeconomic backgrounds, educational background on there, discussing just there to basically, like I said, bitch about things that are not working in their in their way, and it's a way to for support. But I feel like Hmong women take on the war is more somehow a professional type of thing because they have this like tribe global planning framework uh-huh. that I feel like all the women who are a part of this group, the planning piece, invites women that they know in there. Or choose women who they think could participate well in this group. So, so like, sort of like a 
relationship pipeline. Correct. And so I feel like these women are more intentional who they want to be and be part of this group. While the other groups are like, hey, I want to join. Let me submit an invite to see if I can join. Yeah, with the Hmong Women Today group, every once in a while, I don't know the exact schedule, but they actually have interview with individual Hmong women. Mm. And I have to be honest that I have not actually listened to these or, or watched these videos, but, but they do Facebook Live videos. So they the, the last interview was March 29 with Yasmi. They oh. did an interview with Yasmi. Okay. But and, and Yasmi's a Hmong singer, right? Mm-hmm. So so we all know who she is. Yes. Um the other the the other interview they did was with Ying Yi Lor. She is CEO, oh. CEO and founder of Faithful Consulting, a social change mission driven leadership team coaching consulting business focused on developing authentic, empowered high-performing, high-quality leaders, and yes. I'm assuming they only interview people who matters. Right, and I don't know what their criteria is when they're selecting people to interview, right? I do think that most of the most of the Hmong women who are part of these groups, or, or the admins at least, they know each other. Mm-hmm. So there's some overlap on the women who are involved with these different groups. So they do know what's going on with different groups. They do participate in other groups, Mm -hmm. like the Hmong Women Take on the World Virtual Summit. They have women from the Facebook groups that are helping to uh, put together the virtual summit. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. So, so there's some collaboration going on. I don't know how deep it is, though. I do remember being on my Kupai sisterhood, like, I don't know, I think maybe like four or five years ago, I was like participating in some of the Facebook groups until like I just found them to not be as productive for me. But I remember, um, I think like one of, one, of, one of my concerns around like being in some of these Hmong women groups is like being queer and Mm -hmm. I feel like people don't identify in my experience or if I talk about my experience there's tend to be a lot of um like hetero women explaining or asking Mm -hmm. too much question and it's just like really exhausting and uh, or like even women who passive aggressively it's sort of like oh we're here supporting each other but then there's that passive aggressiveness of like I actually don't agree and care for like lgbt Hmong people or women or it's against like being Hmong or my religion mm-hmm. and and then it's you know it's more of this like passive aggressive like i'm just trying to be nice because we're supposedly you know a sisterhood right and so i'm just going to be passive aggressively nice i think gay people or lesbian people are like gross and but i'm just gonna pretend to be professional about it mm-hmm. and so it's not like i can sense through like those conversations that I've had and it just doesn't feel good and I think that that's also why like I have not participated in any other like Hmong woman groups because it's very like majority of the time like or all the time led by like straight Hmong women oh, right yes. and like I like I'm like you know it's great that y'all are leading the space in conversations but what does it mean if like a trans Hmong woman you know participates in the space or you know among queer women or bi women so uh, yeah yeah no, no I, I totally mm-hmm. agree because i Me i too. do feel that these spaces are really hetero and there isn't really any space for any any sort of intersectional thinking mm-hmm. yeah i absolutely agree um i think 
I was having a conversation with women on Hmong Women Taking on the World <clears throat> page and she talked about I guess a woman she met a queer person she met that was doing um drag um performance in like Wisconsin or something and so she talked about her like she was best friends with this person even though she met her once that night and said that oh she's a beautiful woman I'm like that's great but I think before you just randomly say it are you sure this person identifies as a woman like all these other things like and you're sharing this person's picture without one that person's knowledge and like how, like you said how do you build space how do you make people feel safe when it's so heteronormative you know and it's yeah. especially when they're trying to make a point and they're not doing it correctly or like in, in, in the best way Right, and I think that there is a a woman who's involved with Hmong Women Take on the World who identifies as LGBT. I don't I don't know how, what sort of involvement she has, but I know that there is one mm-hmm. openly <laughs> LGBT woman. On that's a part of it. Yeah, but then like then you question like does her experience get undermined? when she's in a room full of straight Hmong women, you know? That's why none of her experience gets translated into this group. So there's no conversation about any of that. Right, yeah. because mm-hmm. the default is hetero, yep. cis woman experience. Absolutely. So so with so many of, you know, I think it's, you know, amazing that there's so many, like, spaces, whether that be virtual, hopefully not just online, but as well as like in their everyday lives that can be productive for them. But like, do you all think that with so many of these online groups that there is actual actual like tangible or changes in their lives, right? In the way that they, like Hmong women actually see themselves as well as um, does that impact like the people in their lives, like other Hmong women or girls or even like men or people um, with so many of the presence, right, of Hmong women, has that has that like, contributed to the way Hmong women see themselves, as well as how their people treat women? Like, what are your take on that? I feel like mm, all these groups have whoever created has an intention of something, whether that is explicit. But I feel like with Hmong women taking on the world, they're really explicit what they want, what kind of community they want to build, and and what kind of framework they're framing all this under and so i think out of all the groups i think that the newest group which is Hmong women taking on the world has a really explicit intent of why they're making this space but then i also feel like they haven't really thought it out well enough because there are a lot of other things that they don't touch on so i think recently a Hmong man came on there and said something about how come you don't include men in these spaces and then and then the lack of um, LGBTQ um, conversations being had in these groups. I really don't know exactly what each of these groups are trying to do, but I feel there is a theme to all of them is to create space for women to like talk about things. But some groups are are more they didn't control that conversation. Others not so much. So they they just let people like post whatever. Means you have thoughts on that? If any of these groups over time has like shaped or impacted the way Hmong women see themselves. I mean, I I can't think of anything specific, but I'm, you know, overall, I am sure that these online spaces in general help people shape or think about what is culture, what it, what it means to be among women, what it means to be among men, 
right? And they, like all online spaces, it's really easy to challenge people and have them shut you down. And it is really easy um, to just, especially if you are the majority, it it is really easy for you to find a space that really supports your way of thinking. Exactly. I agree. Like I, I feel like I feel like these groups know what they like and know what they don't like. So if anybody comes in with a, a different view, you get shut down really quick and you get booted out of that group really easily. I, I feel like some of them control the narrative that is being had among the women in their groups and others not so much. But then again, those who who are more relaxed on that do tend to also control what is right, what is wrong in those conversations. Because all groups have all those groups have guidelines. So those guidelines control the conversation that's had in these groups. And the dominant narrative always perpetuates itself. It always manifests itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like in all of these groups, it's it's mostly Hmong hetero cis women. Um, do I know of any LGBT Hmong groups on Facebook? I don't know that I know of any. I don't know that I'm. I don't think I'm part of any. You know, and mm-hmm. so, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so uh, on. On one hand, you know, they, they, there there is a community building that is happening mm-hmm. that takes place online, and then turns into a uh, physical in-person community building. But also, the 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 dominant narrative, the dominant way of thinking, it also manifests itself in these groups, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, the summit take place and what conversations or was it what you said earlier, was it like issues or topics that will be discussed, right, me? It would be interesting to see what shows up and who's leading what. But I think that, you know, being part of these groups and why I've not been part of it is, I feel like it has not, you know, because I also have my intention, right, of joining spaces with Hmong women is that I want to, I want us to be able to like have a conversation and be informed to the point where like we are actually like shaping and having agency in ourselves as Hmong women mm-hmm. and whatever activities that we engage with each other and not just with each other but mm-hmm. like outside of the space to shape the way either culture or values right mm-hmm. um, changes and are reflective of actually including you know myself and see what this experience among women is like Right, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of myself also and how being LGBT, being the quote-unquote minority when it comes to women, when it comes to being Hmong, etc. I, I don't want to waste my time online with people who cannot advance my way of thinking or conversations Mm -hmm. if i am constantly giving you the 101 on who i am on my life it does nothing for me it does nothing for me and it does everything for them Mm -hmm. i'm I'm constantly teaching right and so so i'm i'm being very intentional in that when i see these conversations that are very 101 i don't participate because I want to participate in conversations that go beyond the 101. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think I'm at a place of, like, 
I'm at a place of like, for example, if if in being in a space with Hmong women and talking about that they wanna be like an ally, or they wanna be um, a Hmong woman who can empower other Hmong women and people. I feel like you know a, a lot of these times there has been just more like lip service and, mm-hmm. and also advancing um, their image or reputation, right? Like a public image mm-hmm. than anything. Um, versus like an actual tangible like work that creates space for other like a f- focusing on an actual topic or issue right mm-hmm. to, to shape and identify what it means to be a Hmong woman who has like LGBT children right mm-hmm. and that they will not like subject their child to any old traditional conservative like patriarchal like values or practices right i want to like break away from the conservative traditional patriarchy dominated narrative and and decision making and i i think that for me it hasn't it has not i've not seen that in like these spaces and you know it could just still be that early stage of that discourse or process right um of moments talking about this but you know i i feel really disconnected in in these spaces because i tend to end up doing more education and mm-hmm. more like winding myself up into like arguments with Hmong women who mm-hmm. who wants to empower Hmong women but they want to actually just empower themselves mm-hmm. right in the old traditional patriarchal space other than and not being afraid to to be like you know i'm gonna let go right for a moment in time of what i used to know believe and have lived out as a as a Hmong woman right also realizing that maybe i'm seeking these spaces because there are problems with how Hmong women are and as well as i have also participated in this body right as a Hmong woman um through through this time that's why i'm here in the space right to to learn more about what being a Hmong woman is and talking to other Hmong women and I feel like there hasn't been any actual actionable steps, right, to to create like conversation that that is real enough that actually impacts like our daily lives, right, like our family or the way we the way we talk to each other as Hmong women, right, instead mm-hmm. of instead of just like saying that you know like you're a beautiful strong Hmong woman and then like <laughs> but then like also treat other Hmong women like they're ugly or shit, you know? Yes. Yes. I feel like all these women groups, Facebook groups, are still are still trying to figure out what kind of conversation that they're going to have. I think especially with like the Hmong women taking on the world, since they're such a new group and they're talking about world like world Hmong women issues, I feel it's still very Western, it's still very Minnesotan, and so I feel like they even themselves are taking on a little too much. For what they actually know in terms of knowledge because they're trying to bring in women from different countries that are going through different things and having different conversations um and then the women the women who are leading this group are Hmong Minnesotans or Hmong women who live in the United States I don't know I, I feel like they themselves need to figure out what type of conversation they want to have because I don't think they have the the knowledge yet to form those conversations to lead those conversations so like i said i mean it's definitely very lacking in terms of like identities and these groups are cool but then again conversations 
aren't really actually happening. Uh-huh. Conversations are happening, but what kind of conversation is happening? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So this, so we have a segment in our podcast. We're going to talk about Hmong words. Or a Hmong word, or, or a word that Hmong people use, but that is not actually Hmong. And so the word we chose today is Banha. Banha is a Lao word that the, the definition is problem. But because the majority of the Hmong people who live in the United States are from Laos or Lao refugees, um, they they have borrowed this word whenever they they have conversations about an issue. So have you have you all heard your parents or grandparents or who elders in your community use this word? Yes, I've I've heard my parents uh, use this word when I was young, uh, but I have not heard it or used it for a long time. But um, I used to think that it was like business. Maybe when I hear my parents, I remember hearing my parents saying, "Chiyakumbanhai." And I would think like, oh, it's not your business. And so maybe my Hmong American like, like ways of like of speaking, right? Um, for me, the translated in that sense for me. But um, instead of being the word business, it's actually like a problem. And so I never really knew the actual definition of it. Uh, but I would always think like, oh, it's not your business. Like, don't get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was growing up, this word was uh, used a lot because my, both my parents are fluent in Lao, and so whenever they don't want us to know about things, they speak in Lao to each other. Um, and so well, that is such a great skill to have as a parent. I know, yeah, right. Talk shit about your kid in, in another language they don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So whenever my parents are talking about stuff and they're speaking in Lao, we know that it's something they don't want us to hear. Um. But then, like, a lot of my rel- other relatives would use the word bangha. But, uh, but I feel like as we have, trans- as of now, they, they're starting to use the Hmong word for problem, which is thimming. So, they, they, now I feel like the older people are now switching from using bangha to thimming. Because uh-huh. now more people, more older people are using thimming instead of bangha. That is true. I, I've heard, I've heard my parents or other Hmong elder um, use that word more often mm-hmm. and I don't hear banha often anymore mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's so strange because I was I was thinking the same thing I remember hearing banha used a lot when I was young mm-hmm. and now as I've gotten older most people use the word thingming mm-hmm. they don't use the word banha anymore Exactly. So I feel like, oh, are are the older, our parents' generation, are they reclaiming a lot of the Hmong words that, that they have not used um, and that they have replaced it with, like, Lao words? Maybe there's that shift there that we never knew, but now we realize that maybe there was a sh- there's a shift in terms of the different terms used. I'm going to go ask my, my mom and my dad. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go have a conversation with them and to, to ask them, like, I used to always hear you say this word, how come, not anymore. Yeah, right? I think I'm going to ask my mom that, too, because, like, my mom was with me, and, yeah, she never um, says bangha. I mean, granted, she's watching a lot of Thai dramas, but um, everybody's been using thimming. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think just the general idea of Hmong people reclaiming the Hmong words mm-hmm. versus using other words from different languages. 
Absolutely. Um, I think that that's just interesting in itself. And it's not something that I thought about before this conversation. Mm-hmm. When I was younger and learning Thai, I would pick up on these, like, because I know Thai and Lao words are kind of similar, kind of. I shouldn't say they're the same. They're kind of similar. And so I'll, like, pick up on some of the words that the elders will use mix in with Hmong. And I'm like, oh, why are they using a word that isn't Hmong, you know? It isn't until I got into, like, you know, college I understood the whole, like, linguistic thing. But, yeah, you, you realize that language isn't monolithic, right? It, it There isn't this one pure language. I feel like we take in words and we take out words whenever it suits us or whenever we have, like, a cultural realization that we want to reclaim more Hmong words, that we start using more Hmong words. But are those Hmong words really Hmong words or are they Chinese words? That, too. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who should we ask? Huh? Hmm. Should we um, ask Salad? He's gonna be. He's, he's gonna cure us from Salad is gonna, <laughs> gonna talk to you, Salad, and you, you will. It will be a miracle, and you will speak fluently in all languages. Exactly. <gasps> That'd be awesome. I'll be the walking you in. Sanya, I think you should use that word in a sentence. It's just the right thing to do. <laughs> Oh, banha or salad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like salad and banha needs to be together. <clears throat> or like I, when I was young, I would all, I would always hear elders say, "Oh, you more banha." Oh yeah. So 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 it could be your salad Oh, you more banha. Okay, so I wanted to talk about um, any Hmong books that we've read recently and kind of talk about our thoughts about it. I recently listened to the late Homecomer audiobook uh, by Kao Kalia Ying, and it was read by Kao Kalia Ying also. And I bought the book right when the book came out. I was actually at the book launch. And I bought the book then, but I never read it. And it's been it's been more than ten years, I want to say. Am I correct? It's been more than ten I years. Think so now. yeah. But I listened to the audiobook, and I don't know. I just feel like audiobooks are a different experience than you physically reading something on a in a book on a piece of paper, and it just blew me away. Mm. In a good way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which was unexpected. Yo, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she used that word. Okay, anyways, um, I mean, me, you shared the uh, audio files with me. I mean, I listened to the first chapter, and I bought the book as well, and I read the first chapter as well. So I do like reading these type of books. This is a genre that I like. However, I couldn't get through past the first chapter. Because of, I, I'm not a big fan of of her writing, uh, and so it's a little too poetic for me. So it it kind of dragged on a little bit. So it became a little boring because she wasn't getting to the point quicker than I I want her to get to point to. Um, however, like her audiobooks, I just like you just told me I I figured out that it was it was her, but I really like her voice, and I felt that having her read her book was definitely very different from me reading her book. Um, even though it was only the first chapter. I've not mm-hmm. read the book. I've only heard a little bit about it, and it's been so long ago. Like, 
in a short like summary like what is it about well it's so 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 the so the full title is the late homecomer a Hmong family memoir so the late homecomer is a memoir about herself and her family she brings it back all the way when they were in um in laos i think before the war during the war and then here and then her navigating the the bicultural aspects of her life what were your what were your general thoughts i mean i know you only read chapter one but did you have any general thoughts about what you read i think um she did i um because it's just the first chapter and she and at that time she was talking about how her family before going to the refugee camps um i think she did a really great job at painting um how her how the family was like how um their life was like before they chose them um yeah and that like you you kind of have that nostalgia that um i can't you can kind of feel what your parents feel when they see like videos or pictures of of laos so you you can picture it she did a good job of imagery um i mean that's why like it's like painting that before the little time before the war that i think nobody really talks about so when i was listening to the audiobook especially that first part when before getting caught up in the war and then after when um they were making the trek to cross the Mekong. It felt very, um, gosh, I felt like it was so traumatizing mm. to me as a, mm. as a, as a reader or, or listening to this audiobook. It was, it was so traumatizing. It's, it's, you know, it, it's a variation of the usual story that, that we hear, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're on the run at night only eating roots yep. and you're crossing the river. Nobody knows how to swim. And people are getting shot in the river. They're drowning and they're dying, and you know, like, like all of that, all of that. But it was, it was so. When I was listening to it, I was, I was crying so much that I was like, I don't think I can finish. <laughs> I don't think I can finish listening to this audiobook because it was so traumatizing. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked, I liked the book in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, I mean, if I ever get to that part, it wouldn't be so traumatizing because my mom talks about her trek, um, through the Mekong River and her seeing mm-hmm. people dying, her sister almost drowning. Um, mm-hmm. so I, cause, um, my mom's pretty good, my mom's a really good storyteller and, uh, mm-hmm. and so she would tell that in a way that, yeah, it was traumatizing, but in, in a more lighthearted way. So you don't yeah. have nightmares, yeah. Would you recommend uh, other Hmong folks to listen or read to the late, the late homecomer? Yeah, I would recommend the book mm-hmm. for people to read. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a surprise to me because I didn't think that I would like the book, but I actually did. Mm. If only I liked her way of writing, I would have read the book through its entirety when I first received it, when I first bought it. But um, there's a particular way of writing these type of stories that I like reading through that she, um, she just didn't bring it for me. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So, moving on. Wait, are we going to do like a, a, are we going to sing Happy Birthday in Hmong? 
Oh, you know what? Is there a happy birthday among? There is. What? Is okay. There? Is there? Okay, Linda, you need to say it. Like, I've never heard of it. It says,